Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Good morning from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and I are here with Darren Dodds, who's a form of my boss, I guess. Boss by extension, maybe. No, no. Something like that. He is your boss. He's not your direct <laughs> no, supervisor. No, I work, I work for Jeff Gore. Let, let's be clear about this. I'm nobody's boss. We're all friends here. <laughs> I work for Jeff Gore. I'm just glad to be here, y'all. Jeff doesn't like you saying that you work for him either. No, no. Jeff <laughs> likes to turn that around and say that he works for you. Yeah. Which is a refreshing. Jeff is, Jeff is wise beyond his years. Maybe that makes Jeff a good boss. It does. Okay. So we have Darren on this morning to talk about our Y Ag series, which, as you know, those of you that are regular listeners, that's our our pitch to the younger generation to kind of continue on in agriculture because one, those of us that are in agriculture know how important it is. And two, I think that's something that we really need to promote from the position and the roles that we're in. We need to talk about that and try to continue to attract young people, not necessarily back into agriculture, but I think those stories that revolve around agriculture, regardless of who those are, everybody has a good story to tell. And that's important to continue to promote that. And if nothing else, Darren has an interesting story for the way he got to where he is now. Well, that's just I was going to say that Darren and I are both Yankees, uh, and people in the southern United States would refer to us as darn Yankees because we have come here and stayed, and neither of us plan to go anywhere. I got a lot of stories. Not all are appropriate for this podcast. Let's, let's clarify that up front. Let's try to keep some of those under our hat. I understand. I, I need to keep a job for five more years. <laughs> all right, so you've progressed a long ways, and we're going to let you tell folks how far you've progressed when we get going. But now you're on campus at Mississippi State. You're the department head, so you're real academic. So how much do you think an elephant weighs in grams? Because I throw the grams part, you know, because you're all academic and stuff. Yeah, you know, the academic thing is almost insulting. I consider myself the least academic academic department head on our campus. I know, but to, in, to intro the question, it, yeah. it, that needed to be part Most of it. Most of us kind of feel that way, though. I understand. Well, I know one one pound is 453.6 grams because I teach that's, herbicide technology. That's good. I know that much. Man, if, I don't know if an elephant weighs a couple thousand pounds. Let me think. Let me do the math real quick. Four fifty three point six, two thousand, probably uh, nine million grams. I don't have any idea. I don't. I'm just making it up now. It's what I do in class too, and they believe it because they don't know any better. I don't have any idea. It's a lot. Yeah, I'm sure somebody will know and will correct us, but that's okay. Darren, the way we've done this with other folks that have done these episodes with us, we pretty much just turn it over to you. You tell folks whatever you want them to know about how you progressed from where you grew up to what you're doing now how I got into ag I, I think we were all talking earlier I think all of us have a very similar story I you know mine you know I, I grew up in an ag family you know my dad I grew up in Illinois and I grew up in west central Illinois uh if folks in Mississippi are listening to this think like Sharky Issaquina County kind of population right there's like 6,000 people in the whole county to this day one stoplight I mean it's super rural America and my dad drove a fertilizer truck, and my mom worked at a feed mill. When I decided to go to college, I, I didn't know anything but ag. It wasn't even really a conscious choice for me. I mean, I'll never forget, I walked onto campus at Western Illinois University, and I had this old ratty-looking Carhartt coat on, and the academic advisors were all lined up. And this lady walks up to me, and she says, you have got to be an ag person. I said, yeah, I guess so. And it just it went from there. You know, I mean, it really – 
I never thought about doing anything else. I never, it's just, it's what I was supposed to do is the, is the best way that I know how to put it. It's the world I grew up. I tell all the students in the class I teach, I've got a weed hook. And, you know, in the South, we chop cotton, right? Where I grew up, you had a weed hook. There was like a little metal rod with a hook oh, on yeah, the not, end. Yeah, we had some of those. You know, they're sharp. Up. Right. And, and my dad didn't trust me with a machete, which is probably a good move on his part because I'd probably <laughs> whack my leg off. But we walk soybeans. You know, this is pre-Roundup ready. So we were cutting giant ragweed and cucklebur and foxtails and jimson weed. I mean, it was it was kind of like that that David Allen Co. song, and then the one rolling back again like always. It was all day long just walking, cutting weeds. Between that and baling hay and all these things, I mean, the ag is just it's just what we did. You know, it wasn't even really a conscious decision. It's just what we're supposed to do. So your family, you said your dad you know, drove a fertilizer truck and, you, and your mom worked at the is a feed mill feed mill yeah. feed mill i didn't want to say that wrong i started to say grain elevator same thing like grandparents and stuff i mean was there a history of agriculture in your family or you know how'd your dad get into it yeah you know a little uh or just being in that part of the world j- just being in that part of the world i mean if you ever if you ever went there it's nothing but ag i mean the little town we didn't live in town but the little town was supported by ag i mean there's a there's an ag retailer or two. I mean, you think a town of 2,900 people, there's two or three ag retailers in. It doesn't seem like there's that much space for competition, but there is. And it's just it's just what you did. I mean, my grandparents lived on a farm, but they sold it long before I came along. So it wasn't like there was a farm for me to go back right. to or anything. And my dad got drafted when he was young in the Army and then got out, and he did a few different things. And it, for 40 years, he drove that fertilizer truck. And it's just, I mean, I remember – as a little bitty kid, he'd come by the house and pick me up, and I'd go. I mean, I loved it. You know, probably like all of us and your kids getting the tractor with your dad or whatever. And man, he picked me up. And we'd go spread fertilizer. We'd go spray or whatever. I just those those were the best days when I'd hear that thing pull up in front of the house. Man, I'd hop in and go all day. It was just awesome. And I just it's just what I was always supposed to do. I would have loved to went home and farm, but there wasn't a farm to go home to, so to speak. And, right. if, you, and if you know anything. I mean, we know how much expen- how expensive land is, but if you look at land prices in that part of the world today, especially, it is utter insanity. I mean, I'm I'm seeing farmland up there sell today for twenty four thousand an acre. I mean, I you know I don't even know how you get into farming up there in, in these days, let alone back then when I was really broke coming out of college. So going to Western Illinois was that something your mom and dad encouraged, or did you do that on your own, or what? I guess kind of what was their plan yeah. for you? No, man, look, it's a great question. I'll tell you, my, I don't know that my dad, I don't know that my dad ever really had a plan for me to go to college. You know, my mom, my mom always wanted me to. When I was about 15, my mom got cancer and then she had a stroke and she died about two weeks before I started college. And I think part of the reason that I, I stuck it out is because she wanted me to do it. She didn't really want me to say ag or anything else. She just wanted me to go to college, right. you know, and I'm lucky I walked in and that academic advisor kind of picked me out of the crowd and I still got that Carhartt coat. But she kind of picked me out, and I'll be honest, kind of what what helped me, there was a guy there, Gordon Roskamp was a weed scientist there, and probably much like y'all, he picked me out of class one day and told me, you know, I might want to think about this or that or the other, and and I'd done a couple internships, and I just, I was washing trucks, and I was delivering seed, and I just decided I wanted to do something different. I went and knocked on his door, and he said, asked me what my GPA was and what I've been doing. He made one phone call. And that I've, I've told everybody this, that one phone call absolutely changed my life. He called at the time with Zeneca Ag Products, and they were looking for some interns, and that got me on the road to there, and that put me on a road, and that put me on a road, and that's how I ended up here. But it's, it's funny how you go back and, and, and you can pinpoint it. 
but one phone call literally changed the course of my life. My plan, I'll never forget, there was a car dealership out there at the edge of town where I was going to school. And my plan when I graduated, there was a Ford truck sitting there. I was going to buy that Ford truck, and I was going to go drive that fertilizer truck like my dad did, and that was my plan. Again, my plans aren't much better today as a department head, but that was my plan. And he made that phone call, and I ended up moving. That's how we ended up in Mississippi and been here 20-something years now. It's just weird how you can really, at least for me, I can pinpoint that one thing that changed the whole course of where I ended up. I've heard you say that before, but I kind of had the same thing. I did an internship with American Cyanamid in college. I didn't even know, probably didn't even know grad school was a thing and sure didn't know weed science in grad school was a thing. And I don't guess I've ever said it as explicitly as that, as that, that it changed the course of my life, but it probably looking back on it now probably did because I'm, that was where I even heard the term weed science for the first time. And Chris been doing it a long time yeah. since then. I mean, he did. He called There's a guy named Dave Thomas, I think still works with Syngenta today. He called them and they were looking for interns. And I remember I went over there. I mean, I didn't, I mean, again, I grew up in really, I didn't own a suit or nothing. I went and bought a suit for this interview and, you know, I mean, I was, I was, I was in high cotton, you know, I had this fancy suit on and, I walked in, they started talking about these interns, and, and they said, I was looking for a three-month internship, right? I was just going to move over there for the summer and do it, come home. They said, well, you know, we don't need any three-month interns. We got them. We need a six-month intern. For whatever reason, blink, and I said, look, I'll do six months. That even, wasn't even a conscious thought. I'm just going to, I'll do it. And, man, when I did that internship, the guy worked for worked for a guy that was at Purdue on the faculty, and I got over there, and I met a guy named Case Medlin who came out of Mississippi State, and he told me to call David Shaw, who was here. So I called Dr. Shaw and ended up at Mississippi State to go to school. And our plan was to stay three or four years, get done with school, and then go on about whatever. And 20-something years later, we're still sitting here. It all goes back to that one phone call he made that day for me. It's, it's, it's really weird. So don't gloss over the detour you made through Indiana at <laughs> Purdue because I know that's a, a pretty big deal, too, because you worked for some weed science-wise, some pretty – yeah, stellar guys. I won't there. even hold it against you as an IU grad. I, I understand. I mean, that's that's the only thing that I'll point out there is that I try not to hold that against folks that are Purdue grads because I went to Indiana. It's, I understand. It's the much better school I, in I, the I, state hey, of Indiana. It just depends on what you want to do. It just depends <laughs> I, on what you want to do. Right? There's truth to that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But you know, it was interesting. The the guy that I went to Purdue to work for was a he was a USDA guy and and whatever, and he ended up leaving the university. But I ended up working for a guy named Tom Bauman, and Tom was an extension weed scientist there. And he was he was when he concluded his career, uh, they named him an Indiana Master Farmer. I mean, he just had that much impact with those growers in Indiana. But I also worked with an old guy named Merrill Ross, and Dr. Ross and his wife wrote one of the what I would consider one of the fundamental weed science textbooks. And if you, he's passed now, but if you ever saw Dr. Ross, you would not know that he had taught forty something years and was this esteemed professor. He's a short little old guy, and clothes were always wrinkled up, and his teeth were all nasty, and had broken <laughs> glass. You would never know how brilliant that man was. But between between Dr. Ross and Dr. Bauman, they were just, I mean, they were just awesome. You know, Ross spent most of his career in Southern Indiana doing Johnson grass work, and he taught 
intro to weed science for 40 something years. And it was just, it was, it was, I was very lucky with those two, especially. I was really, really lucky. There's not too many guys that can say they literally worked for the guy that wrote the book. That's true. Uh, but he did. He I, did. I, I know the textbook you're talking about. We, that's probably the one we used when I took weed science at yeah. LSU. Well, it's fun, even the connection with you and I, you know, Dick Oliver, who you worked with at Arkansas, went to school at Purdue. So that's true. Even kind of a weird little old connection. You know, Darren, you you point something out that that just rings in the back of my mind is that I think lots of younger folks that grow up with the type of upbringing you had in that general area, they want to get out of ag. They want to move out of that place and everything you did and all the doors that opened in your career and your life and starting out and going and doing internships and those things, everything puts you on that path to stay in ag. Yep. And talk about how you think that you relate that to your extension program and even what you do now when you talk to young students about the need to continue for ag and people to continue and stay on that track wherever they grew up to yeah. get involved and vested in agriculture and how important important that will be in the future. Again, I think back to riding with my dad in that fertilizer truck. When we'd get done, you know, we'd go back and hang out in the shop with those guys that worked out. And, you know, probably much like all of us, there were some things that were discussed in that shop that are totally inappropriate for this podcast. But I credit a lot of that when I when I took this took this extension role. I credit that because I feel like I could talk to people. I wasn't somebody that was was such an academic. That I couldn't talk to a farmer or a retail person, or whatever, because I grew up in that retail world. And I think a lot of that I, I owe back how I grew up, I guess. But you know, to your point about young people and ag, I've told everybody I've got a I've got a daughter that's about to be fifteen. I've got a son that's twelve. They said I want to do agriculture. I mean, I really couldn't tell them no. And I and the reason I say I think about and Jason, you have a similar story. Tom, you do too. I mean, I think about all of the opportunities that I've been afforded because I chose a career in ag. And I mean, it's. I mean, again, I grew up in a the town. We drove six miles of town, but the town had twenty nine hundred people. Our little village, if you will, had twenty nine houses. And if you'd have told me all those years ago that number one, I'd live in Mississippi for 20 years, but I'd go get to see agriculture in Africa and in Brazil and all these places. I'd have told you, you are crazy. There's no way possible. But because we do what we do, we're so fortunate. I mean, I, you know, we all just got back from meeting last week where we spent the week with a couple hundred ag retailers and it's, it's like a big family. And the week before that, I was in Africa talking about soybean production and pesticide application in Malawi and Zambia, where they still do everything by hand. And I, I'll never forget, and I think about it, I was in the airport in Atlanta getting ready to go to Africa. And I called my dad, and I hadn't talked to him in a little while. He asked me what I was doing. So I'm actually in the airport, and I'm getting ready to go to Africa. And he said, what are you going to Africa for? I told him, and I literally think he started tearing up on the phone. I really did. Because he he never had any concept that it would this thing would turn out the way that it did either, and, he, and I think I think he takes some ownership of that of taking me with him when I was a kid and kind of instilling that work ethic in me and everything else. I just anyway, it was a kind of a special moment for me when he did that, honestly. But all those opportunities, you think about the meetings we've been to and the places we've got to go and see and the things that we get to do because we're an ag and all these relationships. I mean, it's I I, I can't see myself doing anything else. You know, I, I, and I honestly, I, I thought a lot about this just driving up and down the road. I can't really picture myself in any more rewarding of a career than what we do. And I think about 
the consultants or the retail folks or even us in this room. They're not, I don't really consider them colleagues. I consider everybody friends. I and mean, we were laughing earlier and Jason was joking about the bossing. I consider Jason and Tom friends of mine. We've been friends for 15 or 20 years now. And I think about all the consultants that we form relationships with over all these years. And I consider them friends and we still talk when they come to town for ball games or whatever. Right? And I think about how how rewarding that is versus a career that seems so mundane and just you get stuck in a rut and that's just not what we do. There are so many worse things to do. And that's, I mean, we all could sit here and talk about some of the jobs we had. Darren, I think yeah. you've talked told a story about working at Subway. Hey, I'm a certified, I got the certificate in my office. I am a certified sandwich artist from Subway. I can always fall back on this department if things don't work out. And, and any of those instances and experiences all mold who you become. And that is extremely beneficial. But you're right, because on a daily basis, you can continue to learn regardless of what your discipline or the direction of study that you take in agriculture. And that's the one thing that almost every day I learn something. Yep. And I certainly do every week. And, it, and I've said even on this podcast, and I don't say it very much out loud, but there are lots of times I sit back and do a lot of listening because I'm the guy that's kind of afraid to raise his hand and say, hey, what, what's that piece of equipment? Because I'm not familiar with that. That's okay, and that's important, and that's a piece of all this together that we all lean on each other for the friendship yep. and having conversations about how to do this or how to do that and work together, and that's important too. And that's the one rewarding experience that I think we can all relate to one another about our path through agriculture and where we are today. Yep. And that's something I think we should do a better job of telling those stories because that's, that's pretty important. I mean, Jason has said occasionally that, you know, how do we continue to attract a lot of these students? How do they continue to come here? And I think they look at us as wow, look, I mean, those guys like to work together. They like to get to know one another. They all work together really, really well. That's the type of unit I'd like to go yep. work with. Well, you know, that's a, and that's a good point. You think about why would a young person, they want to go into agriculture, especially if you're in the general public and don't really know agriculture. They, if you talk to a young person, they say they, they just think you're going to be a farmer, right? And they don't, I don't know that there's a concept of there's so many different things that you can do, whether you want to, if, you're, if your gift is sales and you want to go do that, I've got some friends that are really good at that. I would starve at sales. It's not my strong suit, right? But you could come and do what we do, or you could go work for any. I mean, there's so many different opportunities. And I think that's really the charge that we have is to communicate that. But the other thing is, you know, you, you can have a, a good career with a really nice paycheck doing what we do. Are you gonna Are you gonna make as much as a medical doctor? Probably not, but you can still make a pretty darn good living in agriculture doing what we do. If you're really ambitious and and want to go do these things, there are literally opportunities all over the world if you choose to follow them. I mean, I think about some of the folks that we're all in school with. I mean, I got I got friends now that live in Germany and 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 just in in South America and other places because they've chosen to to pursue those opportunities. To me, that's the thing that makes it attractive to a young person. You can make you can make a good living. You have the opportunity to see a lot of the world doing it and you have an opportunity to help feed and clothe the world. That message probably doesn't resonate as much with a young person as it does people of our age. But the opportunity to help feed and clothe the world is a pretty noble thing for me. I, I take a lot of pride in that, that we contribute to doing that. Speaking of opportunity, just take a step back and 
finish the story of how you ended up where you are. So you're at Purdue. You mentioned Case Medlin, and yep. I know Case. And so Case was down here. He went to Purdue. Yep. And then you came down here. The, the first time I remember meeting you, and I was sitting here thinking, when when did it? It wasn't the first time I met Darren. I remember meeting you at the weed contest yep. in Knoxville, Tennessee. When you and Daniel were first and second. It, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know, you were there. Tom Barber was yep. there. Nathan Buring was there. Yep. You know, guys, we've worked together a lot yep. over the years. That's the first time that I remember meeting you. So just tell us how you ended up in Mississippi coming from Purdue. Yeah, well, again, it's just it's opportunity. You know, I was there, and and I figured out that school wasn't too bad, right? I mean, I was never a superstar student, but I did enough to get by. And uh, Case was a young guy. He wasn't that much older than I was at the time. I just I went and knocked on his door, and I said, hey, you know, Dr. Medlin, I'm really – I'm thinking about maybe going and doing a Ph.D. somewhere. What suggestion do you have? And he said, hey, he said, you need to call David Shaw at Mississippi State. Said call. He said that's who I work for. So I emailed Doctor Shaw, and he said, "Yeah." He said, "Come and visit." And my wife and I came down and visited in the summer of 2002, and met all the students. And and I'll be honest, we looked around at Texas A&M, and we looked at you know University of Wyoming. Uh, Could have stayed at Purdue. Bill Johnson had just came to Purdue and was looking for some people. Could have stayed there. But the thing that brought us here, and really the thing that's kept us here for all these years, is the minute we walked in that room. All, all those other students made us feel like we belonged. Like they didn't, they didn't care that we were from Illinois. They didn't, none of that mattered. We walked in and sat down, and they made us feel like we were part of the family. And that resonated with my wife. It resonated with me. And I've even seen that afterwards. You know, again, our plan was to come and get a degree and then go on about our business. And man, it, it, we just got embraced. I think about, I think about how all that happened. Looking back on it, Angus had just came to Mississippi State, and then. Tom came in about the same time I did, and you came to us not long thereafter. And it, we just we just had amassed this team of like-minded people that got along together. I mean, heck, we hunt a little bit together now even still. And, again, it's that family atmosphere that, that brought us here and has kept us here. Uh, yeah, y'all, y'all had a great group of guys back then. I mean, I was in Fayetteville. We were all in school at the same time. That was a really cool bunch of guys oh, when y'all were over here. But it was everywhere. I mean, it didn't matter. You were at Arkansas or folks were at LSU. It didn't matter. We'd go see each other at meetings or these things. And we'd all hang out and stay out too late and all that stuff. So you worked for Dr. Shaw, or you came to work for Dr. Yeah. Shaw. You know, he's sir, he's our provost now. We laugh about Jason was giving me grief about being the boss. Dr. Shaw really is the boss. Yeah, he actually yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Shaw is number two in charge at all of Mississippi State. And yeah. funny thing was, I TA'd with Al Rankins for about three semesters, and Al Rankins is literally everybody's boss because right. he's the commissioner of the Institution of Higher Learning. It's just it's so weird. I came to work for Shaw, and he was, he was kind of climbing in his career path at that time. And, man, I, I got to give my good friend who I just saw yesterday, Tom Barber, credit. Tom had just moved into the cotton specialist job here at Mississippi State. And he said, hey, Dan Reynolds is looking for a research associate. You need to go work for Dan. He said, you need to go run his program and take care of all that stuff. And and I went and talked to Dr. Shaw, and he was he was very encouraging of doing that. And, and lo and behold, Dr. Reynolds took me on and – and I, I laugh. I've been cleaning up Tom scraps for years. I cleaned him up with Reynolds, and then he left and went back to Arkansas, and I cleaned him up as, as cotton special. I'm just waiting to go back to Arkansas and clean him up for him when he's done over there, <laughs> it, although it's been 15, 20 years now. But, yeah, it was – I mean, Dr. Shaw was great, and it, it was – again, it was opportunity. Dr. Reynolds offered me that opportunity. It was a chance to kind of run a program. I'll be honest, 
I grew up in corn and soybean country. I felt like I was doing okay with that. It was a chance to learn cotton. You know, I mean, I'd never, I, I felt like, man, I'm in Mississippi. I need to learn something about cotton. Anyway, went to work for them and then ended up being cotton specialists. And everybody gave me a hard time when I started. How does a guy from Illinois be a cotton specialist in Mississippi? I said, man, I don't, dumb luck, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, but that, that's really kind of how it all worked out. It was, I don't know, very lucky, very lucky. So you were cotton specialist for a number of years and, and did a great job at that and did a, a whole lot of other stuff too. I mean, you've been involved in everything that, that you could be involved in. And so then you had the opportunity to make an impact in a little, from a little <laughs> different angle. So tell folks how you decided yeah. to move out of the field, so to speak, into the office. Yeah, you know, I, I go back to, and and again, Tom Bauman was just a he was a salt of the earth man. He was just such a he was just such a good person. I'll never forget the last conversation I had with him in his office. We were just talking, and there was actually a guy named Tom Jordan there who was here in Stonewall for a while before he went up there. And as I was walking out of, out of Tom's office, he said, "I'm gonna give you one piece of advice." He said, "I want you to take this with you." He said, most people that get a PhD are not any smarter than anybody else. They're too stupid to quit. And, and it fit me because I'm not, I'm not an academic superstar. But to, to circle that back to your question, when this department head role came up, it was an opportunity, quite honestly. And I, I absolutely loved being the cotton specialist. I loved it. I felt so embraced by our consultants and our retailer and in our group. I felt so embraced. But I felt like it was an opportunity, right? And I, and I looked around at the department and, hey, how how can I help our department? And and again, it's not because I'm smart, really, it's because I'm too stupid to quit. It's what it boils down to. But I really saw it as a chance to help plant and soil sciences. And and if you if you know anything about our department, we are a really really big department from a faculty standpoint. When we are full up on faculty, we're somewhere north of 55 faculty in our department. It's one of the biggest departments on campus. But the other thing, like the rest of ag, is we're a little bit top-heavy with respect to age, right? We've got a lot of folks that have been here a long time, and 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 I knew there were going to be some retirements and some folks were you just this kind of continually cycling to other jobs. But the opportunity was was to help bring in some people to set the tone for our, our department for who knows how long. And there were some other opportunities too. I mean, we've been sports. I've been able to renovate some classrooms and do a little teaching, but the real opportunity I felt was to help bring in a good core group of folks that teach, that do extension, that do research, and really set the tone for Mississippi State and our farmers and our students and everything else. And that's why I did it. I did it because I wanted to much like I wanted to help all of our cotton farmers and everybody else, I wanted to help our department become a better department as a whole. And it's it's one of those things, you know, when you're young, you want the focus to be on you. I, you know, almost like a millennial. You know, hey, I want I want the 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 spotlight to be on me. And in the role that I'm in now, the spotlight should absolutely not be on me. It should never be on me. The spotlight should be on the people, Jason and others that are out there doing. It. If I can. I consider myself successful. If I can help facilitate that in some way, shape, form, or fashion, whether it's getting people together, forming a team, if I can help do that and I'm doing it from the background, that's where I need to be. And I, and I, I just that's the the mentality I've really tried to bring to that office. I, I tell everyone, we were joking earlier, I'm, I'm like the least academic, academic department at Mississippi State, but I also wear that, I wear that badge with a lot of pride, to be honest with you. We talked about growing up on a farm, growing up around farming, 
Tom talked about opportunities. So what do you say to a kid that, you know, maybe he comes and sits down in your office, yep. he's visiting Mississippi State. Yep. How do you sell that to him? How do you sell planting soil sciences at Mississippi State to a kid that's visiting yep. schools? At a, at a time that I want to add in there that there are a lot of people in the general public and throughout this country and even at some universities, because I've worked there, they consider the word agriculture a dirty word. They yep. don't think we should use that word. Yep. No, I, and I've had that opportunity over the last three or four years. And I, I'll be honest, I try I try to sell them, if you will, on the same thing that sold me on Mississippi State. So we'll sit down with a student and their parents, and I, and, I, and I try to talk to them about how welcoming the ag community is and how welcoming. Like, I, like when I teach classes, it's funny. You can watch. There's all these groups of students that – they walk in and they sit down together and they leave together and you see them on campus and they're together and you see them out and about. I mean, Starkville is a relatively small town. You see them out and about in town and they're together. And I try to sell them on the sense of family that you get in ag, right? And, it, and I'll give our department a lot of credit. I feel like we do that as well or better than anybody. I think, And I think about, and we've done it together for 15 or 20 years now, when we go to this ag consultants meeting in the springtime, if you sit back and listen to the, those guys talk, they still talk about when they were in school together. Hey, we skipped Varco's quiz on Friday to go fishing wherever, and they still talk about those relationships that they made, and that and that's attractive. You know, people people want to fall in with like minded people, and that's really the way that I try to sell it, or at least maybe set the hook, if you will. But then I try to talk about all of the career opportunity, and it doesn't really matter what you want to do. If you want to do sales, or if you want to do research, or if you want to if you want to be president of some multinational company, I mean, the opportunity is there. And then you factor into that you can make a good living doing it. You get to travel a fair amount of the world if you want to see in that. And that's how I try to sell what we do. Because to me, I wish somebody would have told me that when I was 19 years old at Western Illinois sitting in a crop production class because nobody did. I had to, like, much like Tom said, I didn't know anything about graduate school. I, I kind of muddled my way through it. But I try to just give them give them a picture of what the opportunities are. And if you look at our graduates, and it's not just Mississippi State, it's Arkansas and LSU and Auburn and everybody else, but the opportunities for graduates, uh, undergraduate or graduate degrees in agriculture right now, most of these kids come out of school with the job lined up, making a pretty darn good salary. There's there's so many other benefits. It's not just the salary, and it's not just the 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 whatever. There's all these other benefits that that we've all enjoyed for so many years. That that's how I try to do it. Just the fitting in with your group of people, and then the opportunities that provides. And I, if you have an inkling to do ag, most for most people, that seems to be attractive to them. There's a lot of folks in the agriculture industry in Mississippi that are tied to Mississippi State. If they didn't go to school there, maybe they're a huge fan of the baseball team or the yeah. football team or all of the above. And then, But a lot of guys also went to school there, like you mentioned. The Consultants Association, they're super engaged with what we do. You know, A lot of those guys can probably describe what a lot of us do in pretty good detail. <laughs> and there's retailers, too, that are really dialed in, and then management and those companies, too. Yeah. So what do you tell that group of people about planting soil sciences at Mississippi State right now? Yeah, it's a great question, and and I guess I'll give you a point of reference. You know, we have a, a departmental advisory board, and a lot of those kind of folks are on that. So 
what I try to do when I'm talking to that group, if I get a chance to put one of our students in front of them, I do that. And I'll let the student tell, and, I, and I've told, I've told all of our students, look, tell them the good, the bad, and the ugly. Tell them what you like, tell them what you don't like, tell them what you think needs to be fixed. And more times than not, the student comes in and they talk about how they form this group of friends and then they've got an internship and then that's led to a career and they've got all these opportunities to go do these things. The thing that stands out to me is if you look at our students and, and, and Jason, you've been a, a beneficiary, Tom has, I have, we have some really, really good students. I mean, at, the, at, the, at, the, at that undergrad level, and we have some, some students that are just, some of them are much like I would probably Jason or Tom or whoever, most of them are, are much more talented than they give themselves credit for. They were like me or you. They needed a little encouragement, right? They needed that one person to make a phone call for them. And I've, and I've tried to help make those connections, whether it be with somebody that may hire them or, or getting them an opportunity to go see things they didn't see. But, but I think we've done a pretty good job of that. And our graduates seem to be in demand. There's not many that go out of here that are pretty good at what they do that don't have a job lined up before they leave. Most know where they're going. And, and most of them, when they get gone a year or two, they look back and think, man, at the time, at the time, I was kind of sick of being in school, but they look back and they think how much fun they had and, and all the things that were so good about that experience. That's, that's what I've tried to promote in our department. Because when, what I want is when folks leave our department to look back and think about how rewarding it was and how glad they were that they chose plant soil sciences at Mississippi State. And I, I don't know. I don't know if I've been good at that or bad at that. That's kind of the, kind of the mentality that I've tried to bring to it. You know, and we're fortunate. If you look around, we have students from a lot of different states in our department, obviously Mississippi, but we tend to draw a pretty fair number of students out of the boot heel of Missouri that come down and want to do ag and North Alabama and West Tennessee and Northeast Arkansas and, and even to a degree Northeast Louisiana. But, you know, you look at on that graduate student level, you know, we've had a ton of kids come out of West Tennessee, places like UT Martin. I mean, we've we have had so many students come in, and I and I think it's because they see what we have to to offer. And my experience has always been, especially with the graduate students, when you get one in that buys into the way you do things, they're your best recruiter ever, right? They go to meetings and they go and they start talking about all the things you do, and then suddenly you've got more kids coming to you than you have money to pay for, right? And and it's it's almost like success breeds success. It's, it's almost like in some respects our brand takes care of itself because of, the, of all those, those good kids that we've had. It's just we've been so fortunate here with all that across the board. It's just been amazing. I won't even ask the question about, like, the struggles of how we're going to continue to train those kids in the future because, I mean, that's a whole different topic, and that's something that, that I know you're addressing and you've had conversations with folks and you're filling in for some of those classes and yeah. areas. I mean, that's, that's a whole different topic for a whole other day, but – I still see a good steady stream pipeline. So there are still kids interested in ag. Oh, yeah. And I think we just need to continue to find a way to promote that story and continue to talk about how important it remains because farmers aren't going to stop farming. Well, man, Darren, I appreciate it. I appreciate you being department head. Uh, From those of us that do what we do, you kind of fell on the sword <laughs> uh, doing that. And, and I'm proud that you did. I'm proud man. that Jeff is the interim director here at DREC. We teased about that earlier. 
you know, I hate that y'all are not, I don't pass y'all on the road, so to speak, anymore, but I'm glad that you felt compelled to take advantage of an opportunity, but then also to help kind of move the train on down the tracks, too. So I've always always valued the working relationship that we have. And, uh, and I appreciate you doing what you do now, too. Well, I'll tell you, it, it means a lot. It's one of those days, if you're Bill, if you're a crazy type A, and for those of you that know me, you know, I'm like an insane type A personality. But there's a lot of days and I'm, I'm laying in bed in the morning or, or driving down the road in the truck. I wonder, man, am I really am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I mean, I, there's no, there's no manual. I didn't walk in. There was a manual on a desk. Here's how to be a department head that, that, that didn't exist. You know, so you kind of, you kind of just wade your way through it. But at the end of the day, what I've tried to do is I've tried to treat all of our people like I want to be treated, right? I've tried to, regardless of how mad I may get in my own head, I've tried to treat people the way I want to be treated and I've tried to be encouraging, you know, nobody wants to get going to somebody's office and get beat down and all that stuff. So even if it's a bad situation, I've tried to find the bright side and be encouraging as much as I can. And, and really, I'll be honest, I found it as long as, as long as I've treated people and talked to people the way I want to be talked to, there's been a little bit of uncomfortableness there, but for the most part, it's been, it's actually been pretty good. You know, mo- most folks get it and it's, it's, uh, it, it's been pretty rewarding and I'm, I'm hoping in the next few years, as we get some new folks in and kind of reform some of the, the the members of the team and keep working with these students, I'm hoping that just kind of keeps blossoming, if you will. It's kind of my, my goal for all this. But I appreciate your kind words. It means you being a friend of mine, it means more than you think coming from you. I can tell you that. If you've ever heard Darren talk, it shouldn't be a surprise that we ran a little long. <laughs> uh, but I, I hope you have stayed with us to the end. In the meantime, through the wonders of Google – we know that an African elephant, was it an African elephant? There were several different species. Yeah, so we're, we're about four biggest, to 7,000 grams. The biggest. Or four million uh, to yeah, seven yeah. million, so rather. The, the biggest elephant that, that Darren could find on his phone was about seven million grams. Yeah. So he wasn't too far off. So good job. Yeah, it, it was a quick conversion. What can I say? <laughs> that academic in him really helped. Hey, stop that. Stop <laughs> we, that. Thank you, Darren. You telling your story and, and the formative years, I think, is important. And that's, I think, what lots of young folks need to hear. That well, if I'll say this, if there's any any folks that have kids or young people that that are actually listening to this, I would tell you if you have any inkling that you might like agriculture, give it a look. Because I'm telling you, Jason could tell you, Tom could tell you, I have got to do things that I never thought, possible. never imagined. Don't. I mean, the one thing I tell people all the time, don't be shy. If if you want to know something, if you want to ask some questions, if you want to go ride with us for the day or go see how we do some of these things, call and ask that that's, and and we're, we're not shy. We don't expect other people to be shy. And I think sometimes that might turn some folks off, but yeah. But but what they may find is they may find that there were doors open that they didn't even know there was a door there. And that's what happened to me. It's what happened to several of us in this room. And it's, There's just a world, uh, there's literally a world of opportunity out there if you choose to pursue it. Thanks, man. Thank you. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension.